Welcome to the Chad Taylor Radio Show. Here's Chad Taylor. On the show today, we're privileged to be joined by Kenny Laguna, popular songwriter, producer, and we're going to be talking about the new documentary worked on with Joan Jett, Bad Reputation. Welcome to the show, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you, Chad. And we got to talk a little bit first about your background in the business. You have quite the resume. I don't even know if I can hit on a fraction of it, but I'm going to try. That you played or sang on 50 Billboard Top 40 hits by 1972. Is that true? That's true. And some of the songs that you played on include Moni Moni from Tommy James and the Shondells, Green Tambourine, This Magic Moment. Yeah, I was a lucky young guy. I could um, work cheap. (laughs) (laughs) And you've worked with just a host of people in all different genres of music. People like Tony Orlando and the Ohio Express and Joan Jett. I mean, you've just really touched on all genres of music. Like a lot of people in the Tin Pan Alley back in the day, um, you know, I did what I had to do to, to make a living. So I wasn't like a niche guy. I became a niche guy later. I mean, my favorite music is rock and roll. And now I'm in that niche. And even further, I'm in the niche of guys who work with girls who rock and roll. Right. Now, when you started off, Kenny, did you want to be an artist? Did you want to be a songwriter? Did you want to be a producer? Did you want to be all three? What was what was your intention when you first started out in New York? I think I wanted to be Elvis Presley. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that was my... T- I, I sang lead on all my demos, and I sang lead on... When we had Yummy Yummy, I did the leads on half that... Yummy Yummy album, the Ohio Express, and that's what I was doing. I, I could play guitar and piano and sing flat, and um, that was my intention. And I played in bands all my life. It was when Bubblegum got cold, I started producing records. But any way to make a living, was that was my plan. And we didn't even talk about one of the biggest songwriting credits, you wrote up the theme song for American Bandstand. Very proud of that. That is you incredible. Know, at the time, I didn't realize. Now I look back on it. That's amazing. It's like Paul Anka wrote the Johnny Carson theme song. Right. But I did Dick Clark's uh, American Bandstand, yeah. Absolutely. And it was, that, it was on the charts all over the world. Mm-hmm. Ruben would miss the blow. So tell us how you how you started the relationship with Joan Jett. I know that you met her shortly after the Runaways broke up. Who introduced you guys? There was, um, well, first of all, I was making records for the Who's label called Gold Talk. And they had a band called Steve Gibbons' band that had hits in Europe that I was producing. And... They had a publicist named Toby Mamis, and that fella was also the manager of Blondie and the Runaways. So he kept saying, you are got to meet the Runaways. You'll, you'll be so great with them. And he was right, of course. And he'd asked me a few times to work with them. And for one reason or another, I did other projects instead. And then the Runaways had broken up completely, and they owed a movie company six songs. And they only had like a week and a half to get it together. And he called and he begged if I would go from England. I was in England, so I had to go all the way to California. It was my wife who said, you should meet Joan Judd. I keep reading about her. I think she's something special. You should go and meet her. And that's how it happened. Women are always right, see? Yeah, well... (laughs) I told her she used to be always right. She's not right anymore. (laughs) 
Well, now that, I'm right all the time. That, that uh, really uh, was a successful relationship for many years between you and Joan. I mean, tons of hit records came out of that relationship. And now we've got Bad Reputation, the documentary. Tell us a little bit about that. The documentary was a brainchild of my daughter, Carrie Ann Brinkman, and she's also Joan's niece. She, Joan lived with us for the first 12 years of Carrie's life. And, um, you know, Carrie Ann had that unique upbringing where she, her college uh, essay began, most kids get a dog, <laughs> I got a rock star. <laughs> yes, you so did. Carrie had this un unique <laughs> view and a very interesting bringing up. And she's been running our label for 15 years. Um but she had in her head that the story of a little kid being brought up in a house with rock and roll stars, there was a story to tell. So she started about five years ago filming whatever we could and collecting archival. She put together the documentary with a, with a lot of attention to the truth. Well, and she had a front row to rock and roll history, basically. Yes, she did, and you know her her godparents are, are the Kerbishleys who manage the who. Um, she just yes, yeah, she had that unique upbringing. Will fans watching the documentary learn stuff about Joan that they didn't know before? Well, obviously, it depends on who those fans are. I mean, like the super Joan fans. and I, yeah, Joan and I learned things watching <laughs> the doc. Sure. That. You know, we'd either forgotten about or, or didn't realize, you know, and then we had, yeah, I think fans will learn a lot. And they also, which is what Joan and I got, the story is laid out, and it's it's a pretty good story. It's a Cinderella story. Yeah, I think fans will, will learn a lot. After you watched it, after it was completed, what is one takeaway that you took? When you know, Going back to the question I asked before, what will fans learn? What did you learn? You just mentioned that you and Joan both learned something or maybe it sparked a memory that you kind of forgot about. What was one big takeaway for you after watching the documentary? I, I think what I personally got was the miracle that we stayed together during all the hard times and that enabled us to come out of it. You know, only in the last, what do I say, six, seven, eight years did things start really falling into place when, you know, our, our, our peers, our contemporary, other artists, the respect we're getting. We're getting more respect from the media. And, yeah, that's what I, I got away from it. I looked at it. was so fragile, this trip of ours, that we could have ended up splitting up 30 years ago, and it would have been a different ending for sure. Well, of course, nominated, and then all of a sudden you get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I know your time is precious, Kenny, but I do have to ask about that experience First off, getting nominated and then getting word that you're in the Hall of Fame. Do you remember where you were when you found out that you guys were going in? I was in San Francisco. We knew something was going on like a few days before they announced it because people were calling, writers were calling and asking questions about facts in our history. And it just seemed like they must be putting together something. Being on an indie label, a little Blackheart Records, we were challenged. And I would say when Chris and 
Dave Grohl of Nirvana asked Joan to sing for their induction in 2014, I, I really think that's what kicked it off. Because Joan was so great that night when she did Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, and we, we're just really blessed to get in the Hall of Fame when we don't have a major label background. And by the way, when you guys started that record label, you know, at that time, having hits like that on an indie label were unheard of. Now there's, of course, tons of indie labels. But back when you guys did this, that wasn't the norm. No, and it wasn't what we wanted. I mean, we only did it because we couldn't think of anything else to do. We could not get onto a major label. In the end, it's a blessing because we can still derive income from our recordings. And a lot of the bands that have long left the labels they had hits on, they have no control. They have no money coming from it. And, um, yeah, it turned out to be a blessing. Not what we wanted, though. Joan Jett, Bad Reputation, is now in theaters and on demand. you got to check it out. Kenny's a big part of that story. Kenny, are you on? Are you active on social media by chance where fans can interact, ask questions, keep up to speed with what you're doing? I have a Twitter feed <laughs> that, that I have. We have all those outlets. We don't always handle them ourselves, nor do we pretend. And by the way, you can learn more about the movie BadReputationFilm.com. There's also a new single to go along with this documentary. And um, I heard you may be one of the first to debut it. Uh, we are going to do that, absolutely. Of course, we have to do that. I've always said that I believe Joan Jett is one of the most underrated live performers on the planet. I've, I've had the privilege of seeing Joan live, I think, around five or six times. She never disappoints. She kicks ass every single time I see her. Yes, Joan is, is, is one of the last rock and roll acts on the planet, and she is awesome. That is true. And by the way, the single is available right now on iTunes. Is that correct? That's correct. So they, people can snatch it up. And it's, it's available on all the streaming as well, which is new for us. Just started streaming our catalog. It's been a pleasure having you on, Kenny. It really is, especially with this Thank resume you, and this history and legacy that you have. And, and here's the thing. You guys are still going. That's the best part about this, is that it doesn't seem like there's any end for Joan Jett, Kenny Laguna, or Blackheart. It seems like uh, there's a lot more to come in 2019 and beyond. So, Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Chad Taylor Radio. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.